0: Thanks to the worship team. What legends. Yes, do it. Thank you, guys. I would like to invite you to imagine with me this morning that Peter came to town. Peter, not just any Peter who might be sitting here, but Peter, Jesus' disciple. So Peter, the guy that Jesus looked at and said, you are the rock on which I will build my church. So I want to invite you to imagine that Peter came to Durban on the search for a church. So I wanna invite you, let's just, let's just put Paul with him so that he doesn't get lonely. So Peter and Paul roll into Durban and on their search, they pitch up here on a Sunday. I want you to imagine that. So imagine Peter and Paul walking through the gates of our car park, and they have come to find a church. Imagine what they would do. So first of all, I reckon that Peter would have no trouble sniffing out the fishermen, not because they smell fishy, (laughs) Um, sniffing them out, but fishermen, just know fishermen. And then they could have a chat about their biggest catch, you know. There's plenty of James and Johns here that Peter could have a convo with. Um, speak about what their biggest catch was. Maybe Peter would head past Promised Land and where our kids are and he would remember that moment profoundly where Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Maybe Paul would head down to Exposed where our teens are and he would remember writing that letter to Timothy saying, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. Then they would kind of come up here, come into our church. I think they would have to have a cup of coffee I wonder how it would compare to their Galilean roast that they would be used to. I think that they would love the worship. They would probably be really impressed by the new instruments that have been invented since their time. They would be amazed by the writing on the wall, hey? Proper throwback to what they heard about Daniel's times. But I wonder what they would think coming into our church. I think they would quite enjoy it. I don't don't know. What do you guys think? I think they would quite enjoy it, I think they would be stoked. So here's the question I wanna ask. Would they recognize this Sunday gathering as church in what they know of church? Kind of arriving, sitting in rows, all facing one direction, singing some songs, listening to a guy, today they might have issues because it's not a guy, and then go home. And see you next week would that be what they recognized to be church and the reason why I think about them is that they were there they were part of the early church right in the beginning so essentially they've kind of got like the blueprints of what church as Jesus designed it was and so their thoughts around church would be kind of important I mean at the same time we have to acknowledge that a lot has changed since the early church days um, not only in areas of culture and development and all those sorts of things, but also in the church. And rightly so. The early church, like every church, wasn't perfect. It was made up of human beings, so it was not perfect. The church also was in its earliest days, and so subsequent to that, in the later decades, there was revelation from God's Spirit about how church was supposed to be that deepened the understanding of what the church is in leaders like Peter and Paul and others. And so things should have changed in the church. But, so we call ourselves church. We're the group that gathers. Look around you. This is us. Have a little look. You can look around you. The good, the bad, the good, the bad. We'll leave it there. But I want us to ask the question this morning, how can we be church as close to how God designed it as possible? So things have progressed. Things have changed. But how can we be the church as close to how God designed it as possible. If you think about it, how has church changed since those early days? Has it, has it only changed in how we do things? Because we should change in how we do things. Uh, as culture changes to be relevant and we should change in how we do things. Or has there perhaps been a, maybe even unintentional drift in who the church is and, and what we focus on? Maybe think about it this way, Um, if we were to start a new church and we didn't have any concept of what church looked like in our day and age, we just had the Bible. What kind of church would we start? What would we end, you know, what, what would we have as a church? Is what we know as church today the same thing that we see called church in scripture? It's a really important question to and so what would Peter and Paul be looking for when they came searching for a church? Would they be looking for a few hundred people that kind of came, sat in rows, kind of a few services, sing a few songs, listen to a guy, go home, part of home ground church? Would that be what they would recognize at church? Last week, we, we spoke a little bit about, Rich shared around the topic of holy discontents, and he positioned a few things that might be holy discontents. So if you didn't catch that message, I encourage you to go and watch it online. But things the way that we should view church, things that we should be discontent about. Because you know, it, it's things that maybe are we're settling for second best on how church is or, or who the church is. And I, I hope that you sat with those. He gave us a list of eleven or twelve things. I hope that you sat with some of those this week. Said God, what what can I identify with here, in this space? Kind of after that deconstruction, you kind of identify that we might be underfunctioning a little bit, um, looking at just how we how we don't want to be as the church, and, and as he mentioned, Papa, I just can't stand that anymore. It just can't be like that. If I'm calling myself part of the church, it just can't be like that. But after that deconstruction comes a reconstruction, or perhaps a refocus. And we're not deconstructing anything other than any man-made constructs of church. We've kind of added things onto it that aren't necess- necessary, and we've made those the focus. It's refocusing on God's design of what church is supposed to be and allowing Him to reconstruct us into the church that He intended. It's, in a sense, making the main things the main things again. So what would Peter and Paul recognize as the church there's lots of examples in scripture and one of the clearest windows into the early church comes from a passage John used two weeks ago um, from Acts chapter 2 and I'm going to read that right now so Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if we look at this passage and other passages that speak around the early church, there's lots of things that are important, but what are the broad themes? Kind of the broad themes, and we're not speaking about the how things happen, but the broad themes of how church church happened back in the beginning. We wanna go back to basics, it started there, so what were the early church known for? Before I say anything else, I wanna repeat something that Richard said last week. This is number one. Christ above all, in all, and for all. Christ above all, in all, and for all. The church was about Christ. Above all, in all, for all. That was a non-negotiable They would emphasize Christ, they would emphasize the glory of God, that was the purpose of the church. The church was about Christ, it was for His glory, that was the start, the end, everything in between, the complete foundation of everything that they did. So quick heart check here. Does that describe church for me? Christ above all, in all, and for all. Does that describe church? for me, or have there been other things that I maybe have put or emphasized that have taken Christ off that central platform? Christ above all, in all, and for all. Flowing out of this, so flowing out of having Christ as the absolute foundation of everything that we do, I believe that there's three markers of church that I can see of the early church that I can see over and over and over in scripture. You know, it's kind of like these things. If you see these things, they would guide Peter and Paul to church. The first of those is revealed love. When I look at the early church and how they operated, I see revealed love. These followers of Jesus would get together and they would love one another. Jesus had told them to do it and so they did. They took very seriously that command to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so where the church was, there was love. Where the church was, there was love. There's that beautiful Greek word koinonia, which is translated as fellowship in this passage. And fellowship's a word that we use quite a lot in church circles. What does that actually mean? Some definitions of that word koinonia, identification, solidarity the share one has in something. I'm not sure if any of you have shares in anything. But that's the investment that you choose to place into something or some group. Koinonia speaks about that investment that I've chosen to place in this group of people. Contribution, partnership, companionship, joint participation, association. This is more than just to bring and share lunch. It's a deep, deep love for one another, a Christ-given love that shows itself in so many different ways. It shows itself in unity. This incredible unity was seen in the early church. Acts said they had everything in common. Does that mean that they never disagreed on anything? I highly doubt it, because once again, it's human beings. But there are examples in Scripture of how they did disagree and how they worked it out, because they were committed to unity. They were committed to being together and having things in common and so they worked it out. In John 17, Jesus prays that high priestly prayer and he prays that the church would be one as him and the Father are one. And the early church seemed to get this. They seemed to pursue that, this true partnership. Even later when Gentiles began to hear the good news and also became Christian, We see this concept, this beautiful thing called koinonia that included them as well. These two groups that should never be put together, that society had separated, the church brought together. This unity that wasn't seen elsewhere was seen in the church And that this unity, this this togetherness is so beautifully demonstrated in communion, which they took together all the time. 1 Corinthians says, and though we are many, we eat from one loaf, showing that we are one body. It was this beautiful picture of togetherness, of unity, of connectedness with Christ and his gospel and with one another. They would have meals together, they would remind one another of what had happened and of what we're about. And then they would encourage each other because this is what we're committed to. We remember the love of Christ and we share it with one another. They loved one another. This incredible, beautiful unity, and the world looks in and says, I've never seen unity like that. I've never seen love like that. There was also this beautiful, incredible generosity in the early church. They shared what they had with one another. It was almost like this family trust, you know, to the point that they considered their property to belong to the group. And if someone needed something, we'll work it out from, our, from what we have in this group. This incredible generosity in stuff, but also in encouragement, in time, in service of one another, in hospitality, in acceptance of one another. They were generous with each other. This heart that says, you know, we need each other. I'm going to bring what I've got to bring, because someone else in this spiritual family might need it, and if they need it, I will give it. And so they were in, they were committed, they were devoted, and they showed practical love, this family-like love. And so the scriptural gathering that we see, called the church, was to love one another, Ephesians 5 verse two says, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And the early church did. Is this us? Revealed love. So the church was marked by revealed love. It was also marked by proclaimed truth. Proclaimed truth. Where the message of Jesus was being shared if you followed that back, you would find the church. That gathered group of people called the church, they would meet together and they would encourage one another in the truth and then they would go and they would live that out and they would share that with whoever would listen. And it seems like they had this passion and this boldness, like we just have to get the word out there, we have to. We can't not, it's too good. It's changed my life, needs to change other people's lives, we have to do it. We have to share about the one who died for us and rose again and changed our lives. We can't not proclaim this truth. And so the church was a group of people who were disciples, who made disciples. It's it's what Jesus said they must do when he left them and so they did once again. Jesus said it and so they did it. And so Jesus was working through his church and people were being saved on a daily basis And those people who were being saved were added to their number, they joined the church. Making disciples was the ministry, and it was everyone's job. Following Jesus meant teaching others to follow Jesus as well. And so they proclaimed this message boldly, this message of salvation and redemption, this beautiful message of Jesus that was evidenced in the church. Is this us? And so the church revealed love. They proclaimed truth. And there was also remarkable change. Around the church there was remarkable change. This love and this truth led to changed people and it led to lots of changed people. People grew and the church grew Those people were not the same anymore. Where they had once been marked by whatever they were marked for, now they were marked with growth and surrender. Their lives were not their own anymore. They were committed to Jesus and they were committed to the church. They were committed to God's spirit. There was this incredible joy, this unspeakable joy. They were not the same. There was boldness the same group of people that were huddled, confused and afraid in a room after Jesus died, to this, this incredible boldness, they were not the same anymore, they were contagious and they were noticeably different. And the church was not the same because you put a group of changed people together, can't be the same anymore. And this church was remarkably different to any gathering that people were used to seeing. It looked so different. They were committed to prayer because they knew that they needed God's direction. They were people committed to God and one another. They were marked by the Spirit of God and people were added to their numbers daily. They were a church on fire. And people on the outside of the church that didn't understand it, didn't like it, but they were so changed that they were willing to be persecuted for this beautiful church. The people weren't the same anymore, the church wasn't the same anymore, and because of this, the community wasn't the same anymore. Around the church, there were miracles, and witness, and example, and life. And the world is not the same. They moved out and they included everybody, and that's why we sit here today, being able to call ourselves the church as well. Revealed love proclaimed truth, remarkable change. Is this us? That was the church. Imagine those things as broad themes would be familiar to Peter and Paul, because that, that was church, that was the church. Would they find that in the church of today? around the world? Would they find it in our church today? Is this us? Do we love each other? Is that even a part of church, or is church my time with God? When last did you proclaim the truth of Jesus to somebody? When last were you a part of somebody's discipleship journey do you, do you sense that boldness or not so much? If you think of your life, do you think that you're different, say, a year ago? Do you see change in you or around you? And do we have the right to call ourselves the church if we don't see this stuff? Or at least some of these things. Again, back to that question at the beginning. Have we perhaps redefined church or unintentionally let something slide so that church equals being the church equals a weekly, hour long gathering? Full stop. So, to set the record straight. And everyone can exhale. I believe that Peter and Paul would find church here at home ground. Big exhale, everyone. I believe they would. I believe that they would see it all over in little pockets. I believe, I mean, the revealed love, the care that goes around in this church is amazing. Jacques shared the change in which he shared those ministry moments, the change in thirty-five teenagers. That's remarkable change. Proclaim truth. There are so many people in our church who are deeply investing into other people. And so yes, I believe that they would see church here at Home Ground, but perhaps not in the place that we would normally direct them. If someone said, where's the church? We would either point them to the building normally, to the pastor maybe, or here on a Sunday. This, This is where we are. I would like to suggest that Peter and Paul would find church as they know it, mostly and most regularly in our small groups. I think that in small groups of people, in all the places of our church, it's in and through small groups that we're most likely to love one another. You know, like practicing all those one another's that you find in scripture. Love one another, serve one another, admonish one another, um, encourage one another, all those things. It's really hard to do in a group this big, hey? Unless we set aside a really long period of time. To really be authentic, sometimes it's intimidating to bring your real true self with your doubts and your hurts and your hang ups into a group this size. But in a small group, We can, in our authenticity, find healing and hope and family and real care that we can't necessarily find in a big group like this. What about shared truth? Or at least the encouragement to share truth. I think that this is a growth point for our church, to be honest, to proclaim the truth. But it's harder to hide behind our excuses in a small group, right? I'm not saying that horribly, like you're gonna be guilted into anything. No, quite the opposite. In a small group, surrounded by love and authenticity, that's where we're encouraged to live out our intentions and to live out our obedience to Christ. Those intentions, those things that we always want to get to but we somehow just never do. In a small group, we find accountability and encouragement to actually live the life that we want to and that God wants us to change i think the place i see most most growth and life change in people is in our small groups in small groups of people because with less people it's, it's really hard to disengage right we've thrown around the phrase that church should be more like a gym and less like a movie in a small group you can't come and spectate as easily i mean of course you still could but to engage to engage with people, to engage with God and his word, to find and use our gifts, and to allow God to change us through this beautiful thing called church, where we see transformation, I think, is most in small groups. Small groups were common back in the early church as well. Obviously, they met in the temple courts, but they also met in homes. There's some cool examples. Uh, to Philemon, our dear friend, also to Ephiah, our sister, and Archipus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. How cool. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. It was a common thing for the church to gather in small pockets wherever they could find a space. And they had a powerful impact on each other and a powerful impact on their community. It's not a new thing. And it's not a new thing in our church either. We've emphasized small groups for years because in a big church, small groups is the way to keep it small and intimate. Small groups is is a way to keep us growing and to, to walk this discipleship journey with a few people. But more and more, especially during COVID, we've realized that small groups is where church is happening most effectively. Real church, revealed love, proclaimed truth, and marked remarkable change. Also, we at times have not been able to meet as a bigger group. Does that mean the church stops? Definitely not, definitely not. This big gathering is awesome, don't get me wrong. This big gathering, I mean, having worship times like we just had all together, it's like a little taste of heaven, hey? And, and the big group also, you see that it's not just me and my few, but this kingdom of God is so much bigger than that. The body of Christ is so much bigger than that. It's definitely not an either or situation. This is good but perhaps we've placed a little bit too much emphasis here on this hour-long weekly gathering. Perhaps we've minimized being the church to simply attending a gathering. And perhaps it's even enabled us to call ourselves followers of Jesus because we come here on a Sunday when we're not really following Jesus at all. Have we come to call this church, this what we have here, church, when on its own, it falls so far short of being the church, even though this is amazing. On its own, it falls short. There's so much more and we're missing out and the world is missing out if that's it, if it's limited to this hour. I mean, read that Acts 2 passage again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to those things. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's more church than just an hour long gathering on a Sunday. There's more to being the church. And God is calling us back to the more of his original design for the church in each other's lives, to be the church, to be the church in our community. Many people have said that COVID has presented kind of like this giant reset button in so many areas of our lives. I don't know if you've experienced that, where you've kind of looked at your life and because of COVID it's caused us to pause and think through things in a little bit different ways. So like your health, for example, maybe acknowledging I've, I've taken my health for granted and maybe I need to, I need to reset something. Or, or family, realizing that maybe my, my work-family balance wasn't so good and I need to reset something. Maybe in my time management, a reset something. Maybe in my habits, a reset. What's the reset button for our church at this point? We've noticed some of those irregularities. What do we need to reset? What is God calling us to reset at this point in time? Andy Stanley said, life change happens in circles, not rows. It's a cool saying, eh? The home ground edit of that would be transformation happens in circles, not rows. Our vision here is to see individuals transformed and our church transformed and because of that, our community and our world transformed and we believe that that will happen more in circles than rows. And so what we wanna reset at this point of time is a refocus on the small group. If we believe that revealed love and proclaimed truth and remarkable change are most likely to happen in a small group, if we believe that actually being the church is most likely to happen in a smaller group, that's where we want to focus. Because we want to come back to what God intended for the church without all the other stuff. So we would love for every single person to be in a small group. It can be a a traditional laugh group that meets once a week on LTC, which some of you might be familiar with. It's a group of three or four people that are committed to laugh transforming conversations. It could be a mom's group or a discipleship group or an interest group or a service group or an online group. It could be any group, just a small group of people who meet regularly in order to be the church. And we want to encourage every single person who's connected to home ground church to be a part of of a small group. Maybe you're sitting here and you're feeling like you might be a bit stagnant or you need a bit of a life change. Maybe you really need community at this time. Maybe you need a bit of, of extra care and love. We believe that you'll find that in a small group. Also, who knows what COVID's gonna throw at us? This looming third wave, we might not be able to meet like this in a few weeks. We don't know. That's what COVID presented, That. The big gathering might not be able to happen in a few weeks. We pray that it still will. But we would love for everyone to be in a small group. And so if you're not in a small group, join one today. You can give your name to Cindy at the back. If you're in the room, she's gonna be in the in the foyer. If you're online, please drop Cindy an email and she'll connect you to the potential of a small group. We wanna find one that will fit you really well, if at all possible. Bear with us, if everyone wants to join a small group today, we're gonna need a little bit of patience because we're working on getting as much space and as many new groups started as we can. But join one today. If you maybe were in one and, and since COVID you haven't been meeting or you haven't gone back to your small group, go back, go back, start up. And if you are in a group, call your group to more. Call your group to more. I'm in a life group, we need to call ourselves to more, to be the church, to be the church. The people were not the same anymore, the church wasn't the same anymore, the community wasn't the same anymore. Guys, that's what church is. When there's a church at work in a community, that's what we should see. Change people, change church, change community. Transform people, transform church, transform community. We believe that God has called us to be the church. So have a look around. This is us. You can look. This is us. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's pray. God, we wanna thank you for this beautiful invention of yours called the church as a way to take your story and your gospel to the ends of the earth, to change people, to bring hope and redemption and salvation. And thank you that we get to be a part of it. God, I thank you for challenging me. I pray you would challenge all of us as the church to be the church that you intended. Pray also, Lord, that you would equip us to be the church that you intended. And God, we pray that because of this church right here, we would see an impact in Durban and KZN and South Africa and beyond because we actually took up the mantle to be your church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless guys. If you want to join, remember to sign up with Cindy. If not, let's go out there and be the church this week. God bless. Have a good one.